0: Hello, I'm Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, where we'll be getting the inside track on Saturday's visitors to Anfield, Arsenal. Both teams will go into the match boasting perfect starts to the new Premier League season, but it will be Liverpool who will be favoured to make it nine points from nine, not least because of their recent record in games between the sides. The Reds have scored 23 goals in their last seven unbeaten matches against the Gunners, a remarkable run of form which culminated in the stunning 5-1 victory at Anfield in the final game of 2009. So will Arsenal be lambs to the slaughter once more or will they be a different beast after an impressive and unexpected summer spending spree which was headlined by the signing of Nicola Pepe who was linked with a move to Liverpool before his 72 million pound arrival at the Emirates. To answer those questions and many more I picked up the phone to my five-a-side playing partner Tom Marshall Bailey who as well as being a big gooner can often be seen in the Echo office in his role as the publishing editor for Reach PLC Regionals. Thanks for joining me and we'll be back after the match with the post Game podcast,
1: the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Well, hi Tom, thank you very much for joining me to talk all things Arsenal before the big top of the table clash at Anfield on Saturday night. You okay, mate?
1: Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, it's been a um, good start to the season for for us and for Liverpool. And uh, part of me, in a, in a weird way, was watching that Wolves United game on Monday kind of hoping that for more reasons than one that United drop points but I kind, of li- I kind of like the idea of this game being like centred on the two teams that have got a 100% record and you know we are the only two teams with that so it's really delicately poised.
0: It was similar to this last time we spoke on the record at least just before Christmas I think you know Arsenal around that time were coming to an end of a 22 game unbeaten run and you were quietly confident about your prospects heading to Anfield you know but, and then we all know what happened next and, and and as you've just said there you know you've you've won your first two games of the season i think that's the first time in in 9 years that's happened and and everyone everyone seems really happy with the summer transfer business so do you think the the outcome will be any different this time at Anfield
1: um it, it, it's funny actually because i was i was actually optimistic ahead of last season's one in that i i kind of didn't know and that was kind of one of the refreshing things about Unai Emery's first season in charge was that I felt as if you you couldn't really tell from game to game exactly what was going to happen. Like a lot of the preconceptions that you had of oh, going to Old Trafford, we're going to lose that. Going to Anfield, oh, we're going to lose that. I know that is how it transpired, but ahead of the game, I think I was optimistic because there had been that unbeaten run. There have been signs of improvement, particularly in the home game against Liverpool. It was like far more...
0: Yeah, it was a great game, that one, wasn't
1: it? Intensity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was more of an intensity to the performance. Um, And that's obviously exactly what you need against Liverpool. And we've been lacking, sorely in that department. And to to be honest with you, it was probably the one kind of real outlier last season uh, for Emery. Like, I think, other than the Europa League final, I think that was the only game... We lost by a 3 goal margin mm-hmm. or more. I might be wrong, but um, like that had started to become the norm in big matches under Arsene Wenger. And yes, there were two examples against two of our rivals from last, last year, but um, there were definitely improvements and it was a bit of a horrible end to the season. Um, obviously, if you'd have told me when we lost 4-1 to Chelsea, um, I've spoken to you um, privately about it. That I... I, I I was almost writing off the next five years as an Arsenal fan. I, I thought it was going to be that that big an impact on us, that defeat. And um, as it turned out, it was probably kind of the turning point for us to say, actually, this is a, we need to intervene now. And we need to make a real statement this summer. And The signings have been excellent. There was a real um, sort of feel good factor around the Emirates on Saturday. Burnley game, I wasn't there, but um, I know people that were there and, people reporting on the game who said that um compared to a lot of the kind of late season games particularly Palace and Brighton at the end of last season there was a real kind of sense of optimism and um a bit of expectancy as well you know that these new signings that have been brought in um have generated some excitement and they've generated excitement for a reason and I think um Arsenal fans are kind of a bit more optimistic now about, about what the season's going to hold. But I, I still feel, um, weirdly enough, that last season before Anfield, we had quite a kind of sample size of what um, we'd seen from Emory's Arsenal. Whereas this time round, it's the third game in. Um, I think it might have been the second or third game in when we lost 4-0 at Anfield two seasons ago. Um so I kind of I, I don't have a big enough kind of sample size from the games we've played so far. We've, we've played two games, both fairly routine wins. I know Burnley equalised and we had to get the goal in the second half, but the Newcastle win, really easy. I, I think Newcastle will be up against it this season. I think they might not get relegated. They look really poor and blunt in attack. So it was difficult to read too much from that game was difficult to read too much from Burnley in some respects in that they completely different text that they pose to the defence than what Liverpool will. You know, Burnley really looking to exploit our kind of weaknesses uh, sort of under the high balls and stuff, and they were getting the ball forward as early as possible, getting it out to the wingers and, and whipping it in. It's not quite going to be the same sort of aerial bombardment against Liverpool. It's going to be a different type of test. So, um... I'm intrigued to see how we how we fare on Saturday, but I, I'm ironically probably more negative about our chances this time round because um, I'm kind of fearing a Liverpool backlash because of the supposed, you know mixed parts of the season they had and yet they've won a trophy already And some two, out of two in, <laughs> in another exactly yeah um, you know they're, they're the only other team with 100% records so I, I think it's been a bit of an overreaction personally
0: and they have got the Indian the sign over Arsenal I think we did a, a video earlier this week when we, we Unai Emery said after they beat Burnley 2-1 that he didn't want to face Liverpool and I know he was only joking and <laughs> I know we did a story on it I know we did a video around it but you do look at the records you can't actually blame him I think Liverpool have scored 20 23 goals in the last seven games between the sides and it, it does feel like Everton have it too going to Anfield it does feel like there's a bit of a mental block whichever Arsenal side go to. Well, there
1: Well were, there were few few teams that he failed to beat last season, Liverpool, Liverpool one of them, I think he, he probably might have some regrets about the, the home game as well and that there were probably chances to get a winner late on in that um, but I, I think he was, he was a bit surprised by what happened that. Anfield that was probably a, a real sort of introduction to the Premier League forum um, and probably a sign as well at that point that there was still a lot to do and that was always my outlook on things on Emery's first season was I almost treated it as a bit of a buy in that he joined the club who were stagnating who had two elite world-class attackers but had faults everywhere else in the, in the squad. Um, you know, he's, he's needed... I mean, January transfer window ended up being a, a bit of a waste with the, the Denis Suarez loan disaster. But, you know, he's needed last summer and this summer to even start mould this squad into what he wants it to be. Um, I think this season now he's going to be properly judged. Um, so I think he's had a year to kind of get used to the demands of of English football. I think there's a lot of our fans that feel as if his method in pre-season training um, at the start of last season, uh, before before the 2018-19 season, um, and the kind of intensity of um, not just the workload of the training sessions, but the way that he wanted the team to play. I think a lot of fans felt as if he burnt a lot of players out quite quickly, and that's why we had such a um, a difficult end to the season. I think he'll be a lot more aware of that now and I think he will look to rotate his squad options a little bit more. It's going to be interesting to see who he goes with on Saturday because he's placed a lot of faith so far in Joe Willock and, mm-hmm. and Rhys Nelson. They've both started both games, albeit Nelson came off at, at halftime in the um, in the Burnley game. Um, obviously, Nicolas Pepe came on for that second half, but... He's he Lucas Torreira, who I'm I'm a huge fan of, and I think um, Liverpool fans noticed his contribution in in the one all draw. Mm-hmm. He was obviously he less was, effective yeah. at Anfield, but um, it was actually a Jaka and Torreira uh, axis in midfield for the for the one all draw at home. And there's a, there's a good chance that neither of them will start this weekend, which is is interesting. I think um, there's an argument that Arsenal have become overly reliant on Xhaka, in recent years. And I think he definitely has qualities. There are pros to his game, but there are definite cons that come with with his game as well. And I I don't think either Wenger or Emery have been able to get a midfield combination that gets the best out of him. I think his qualities are negated by the fact that we've not got the midfield set up right. And so if he's left exposed at the base of your midfield, he's not particularly quick. He's not particularly um, dynamic in his movements either. You know, I've seen Milk turn quicker to be honest than than Granit Xhaka. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes against against a team like Liverpool who press, you know, with such intensity, if you've got a player who takes time on the ball and wants to take touches, um, I think that's where his limitations are exposed. I think there's a good chance it could be Gendouzi, Willock and Ceballos on on Saturday, mm-hmm. which Worries me a little bit because I really like Joe Willock. I think there's a lot about his game that's exciting. I think he, a lot of people feel like as a midfield free, that's quite progressive. It's a, it's a 2019 midfield as opposed to a sort of 2015 yeah. midfield in in Xhaka and um, and I think he is going to have a, a really big future at the club. But my worry is if you start him on Saturday and things go awry quite quickly, and I'd, I'd put Reese Nelson in this bracket as well, I, I worry that because of their lack of first-team minutes, you know, they've Nelson's had 135 minutes, um, not even that, because I think he came off at Newcastle. You know, uh, Willock's had less than 180 as well. I think, you know, there's a risk that if things go awry and Liverpool rack up, one two three goals early on um like you know I know they came from behind last year but it all kind of escalated quite quickly I worry about those two in in that team I and it's why part of me wonders whether he might go for someone like Mkhitaryan on on Saturday I I personally really hope that he plays Pepe because I think there's a there's a school of thought that it will leave him on the bench for t- until 60 minutes or something like that and then bring him on as a potential game changer. The, the problem with Pepe at the moment as well, I think a lot of people saw that against Burnley on Saturday. He's, he's a bit undercooked. Mm-hmm. Um He got to the latter stages of the African Cup of Nations and I think he's he's very quite clearly lacking in fitness. But my worry is if you don't start it, the game could be over by the time he comes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Similar to last that,
0: season, wasn't it? Lacazette was only exactly. brought on late on, yeah.
1: Exactly. And that that's my one my one fear. But um, I i do think the fact he brought Nelson off at half-time against Burnley suggested he wasn't overly impressed with his contribution. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went for Mukateri and Lacazette, Aubameyang as a front three. Um, but I, from what I've seen... Obviously, Xhaka was injured on, on Saturday, but I think the expectation is that he'll be back. Meza Ozil will be back as well. I personally don't think he'll play Ozil. I think that Xhaka question is an interesting one, whether he, he wants a leader in that midfield or whether he's happy to you know, persist with um, Genduzi, Sabayas and Willock's, Willock. So I think the front six positions... Um, is kind of there's an element of some of them being up for grabs. I think the back four and the keeper, um, are, are would be as you'd expect Leno and goal, Maitland Niles, Socrates, and David Louise, um, and, and Monreal at left back. The, the full backs are probably my biggest worry yeah. on Saturday, to be honest. Um,
0: Kieran Turney's not fit, is he at the moment? He's not ready to play,
1: no, and and, and Bellerin isn't either. And I think. There's, I, I think when, when Bellerin and Tierney are fit, ironically, I think this, this game is is one where both of them are really, really needed. And um, I think we'd fare a lot better with them in the team because as attack-minded as they are, I think they would be able to deal with Salah and Mane that little bit better mm-hmm. in terms of... M- Maitland-Niles has got pace and it's why Wenger played him there uh, he played in the left back against Seller in the three all at the Emirates, um, a couple of seasons back, um, and I think he was he was frightened of Salah's pace against. I, I think Monreal might have been injured, and it was a toss up between Kalas and um, Maitland-Niles at, at left back, and he went for him for that added pace. And I think I, I don't worry so much against for Maitland-Niles' pace against Mane. It's more his defensive know-how, I still think he looked like a central midfielder playing at right-back at times. Um, and For me, Monreal has been a, a solid, consistent performer for us, but it's been noticeable in pre-season and already at the start of this season that he is just lacking that yard of pace now, and I think Klopp will... If, if I was Jurgen Klopp, I would, and looking at our early two performances, I, I would look at those those two fullbacks as being an area to target. Um, Firmino's obviously had a brilliant record against us. Um, I think of the top six teams, I think his his best record is against us individually. Um, obviously, hoping that doesn't continue on Saturday. But in a weird way, I think that having his international teammate David Luiz in defence, um, I know his. His signings prompted a lot of reaction and and debate over whether he's going to improve us or not. Um, But I almost think that might be a a plus for us. Um, I know last season I spoke on the podcast and said that I I thought we were going to go to Anfield and be a lot better and we lost 5-1. So (laughs) I know it can be a case of famous last words, but for me, I'm more concerned about the fullbacks than the centre-backs this weekend, to be honest. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: We paid mention to earlier the fact that Liverpool have won three games and lost the community shield on penalties but Well, let's face it, they were more or less close to perfection last season, winning the Champions League, getting 97 points in the league. But there are always areas for improvement, and probably the defence is that one. You know, I think it's five goals conceded in four games. And if you look at the underlying statistics, it could have been more. Does that give you a bit of confidence? And Bamiang and Lacazette have picked up from where they left off. And you've mentioned Nicola Pepe there, you know, a player who's heavily linked with Liverpool, a speculation that proved unfounded. But there's real, real attacking ability there in this Arsenal team now, isn't Do you think they can maybe get behind Liverpool and and cause some damage?
1: Definitely. I I, I, I can see us scoring on on Saturday. The worry is just keeping them out. I I think it's a case of who has the better attack. And if you look at it, um, you know, look at it on paper, only City and Liverpool scored more goals Mm -hmm. in the Premier League than Arsenal last season. So, you know, I think a lot of people, when we signed Pepe, particularly opposition fans, were... We're of the opinion that it's kind of, you know, adding adding more decoration to something but no substance. um, In that, you know, we should have gone and spent 72 million on a centre half, arguably than a winger. Now, the fact United had to go and spend as much as they did on Harry Maguire suggests that there's a dearth of central defensive options at you know, sort of good prices in the, in this market now. I, don't get me wrong. I think Maguire is going to have a big impact on United. And I, I actually think it's between us and United for fourth spot this season. I've, I, before a ball was kicked, I'd written off Chelsea. I don't see where their goals are coming from mm-hmm. at all. And I they agree. look weaker defensively because of Louise's departure for me. Um, I do think Tottenham, despite having a bit of a shaky start to the season, they're on four points already regrettably. Um, I, I think they will they will come good. I think they're probably solid enough in each department of the pitch to, to get third. I think the the, the thing that's going to be the difference between us and United, I think they probably have a better defence. I think we probably, in fact, we do have a better attack in my mind. Um, and we have to hope that we can outscore teams because I think it's unrealistic to expect us to go to Anfield on Saturday and keep a clean sheet. Um, we've conceded what, 12 goals in the last three seasons, which is just ridiculous, <laughs> but um, the reality of it and the reality of Liverpool's you know, attacking quality. Um, so they're going to score on Saturday. We, we have to be aware of that. I think the hope is, you know, if we were to get a two-all draw or something like that, I think that would be a, a brilliant result for us. Um, I, I think a lot of people who felt that Pepe was a decorative signing... I, I can agree on, on one hand that I, I said at the start of the summer that I, in some respects I'd have blown the whole budget on a centre-half because it was so abundantly <laughs> obvious where yeah. we needed to strengthen. But I think we did lack someone else behind those two up front who could contribute and weigh in with goals. I mean, beyond Ramsey, um, I think Mkhitaryan our top goal scorer with six goals across all competitions, which is just not good enough. Like, I, I, it's, you know, it's a bit daft to heart back to Invincible's era, but Pires and Jungberg and even the central midfielders in that you know, in that team contributed so many goals and assists that you kind of if Henri or Bergkamp ever had an off day, you could always lean on and rely on the kind of supporting cast. And even when we've had more kind of you know, in our linear mm-hmm. years where we've not been so successful, we've had players like Fàbregas and Nasri and Hleb and people like that beyond the uh, Van Persie and Ander Bayor and you know people like Walcott scored goals for us last season. It it felt as if it was kind of at times get the ball to Lacazette and Aubameyang, see what they can do, and you know if they if they're not going to put it but in the back of the net then we're kind of we're, we're struggling. And of our play for me, a lot of the problem with our play is we didn't have a a link between midfield and attack Ramsey offered that to an extent, mm-hmm. but by his very nature of the fact that he likes to run off um, the midfield and run beyond the, the final line of defense and get into attacking positions. Sometimes he wasn't providing that link either. I think the you know, the smart thing about Sabios and Pepe is now I think we've got, two different ways of playing. I think at home, as you saw against Burnley, we've got a player in Sabios now who probably we've been lacking since Cazorla. Um, arguably Fabregas, a midfielder who's kind of like is saying to the defenders, saying to his midfield teammates uh, and the attackers, give it to me. Yeah. Like, give me the ball and I will do something with it. I will create, I will be looking forward. I will look to take people on, wriggle out of tight spaces, Played the ball through an eye of a needle we've not you know a lot of people associate Arsenal with that type of football but we've not had that in a lot of and that's felt like a long time now because of obviously the injury problems he had but similarly I think that the, the beautiful thing about Sabayos and it's the reason why I think we maybe go to Anfield with slightly more of a hope than um, than previously is that we've got a midfielder now who can play out of a press. Yes, We saw that Burnley pressed us really, really high on Saturday. And when we did get out, it left acres behind their midfield and in front of their defence. And that's when, if you've got players in transition like Pepe, who that's what he thrives on. He, he thrives on the space in behind. Um, that's where we can, you know, exploit weaknesses. So I think, you know, Previously, we didn't have enough transition players like a Pepe and our midfielders weren't comfortable enough in possession to play through a press. I think now at home, we've got someone who can, you know, dictate, you know, possession, um, be on the ball, be creative, but equally, we've got away from home, um, more of a, more of an ability to get out of midfield and give it to our attackers. I mean, last season, Yang had, I think it was nine touches against Liverpool, Anfield or yeah. something.
0: It's the famous stat that Did came like that. after the game, yeah. Then, not Yeah.
1: Stupid stat. Um, and
0: and a couple of them, were, I, most of them were from kickoffs as well, if I remember actually, rightly as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, famous last words, but I doubt that will happen this season by I, virtue of the fact that I think he will play wider. I think last season it was, it was actually a front three of Iwobi, Lacazette and Maitland uh, sorry Iwobi Aubameyang and Maitland Niles at Anfield which was makeshift to say the least uh, obviously Awobi's no longer at Arsenal having, having gone to Everton on deadline day uh, Maitland Niles will have to play it right back in Bellerin's absence so there's going to be a much changed look to the attack there's going to be probably a much changed look to the midfield as well I think it was Terer who was our midfield free at Anfield um and that didn't really work. Um it could well be, as I say, that Sobias and Willock replace Jucca and Torreira in that three. So um be interesting to, you know, as I said, it'd be interesting to see the lineup. I, I would I would personally like to see Pepe in that team because I think Andy Robertson needs no invitation to, to no, get forward. Um I wonder I wonder if, in Emery's thinking, he'll think, can a half-fit Nicolas Pepe keep up with Andy Robertson and do the defensive work to help Maitland-Niles against Mane and Robertson? That's definitely going to come into his thinking. And it's why I think he probably will plump for Mkhitaryan because I think one of the... He has been a really underwhelming signing for us. There's no two ways about that. But I think one of the qualities he does offer, which is a bit undervalued and under um, kind of estimated is, is his defensive work. He always helps out the fullback Mkhitaryan. And I wonder if that will come into his thinking. I don't actually think he'll go to a back three. I think a lot of fans are worrying that he's going to do that because he's got Louise who played really well for Chelsea in a back three under Conte. Um, I think they think that because of his presence in there, you could play Chambers and Socrates either side and then or Monreal and then maitland Lanars and Kolasinac as wing-backs. But I think the concern for me with that is Mane and Salah becoming isolated against Socrates and Monreal then. I mean, I've already explained my, my concerns with Monreal coming up against Salah, but if you put Mane up against Socrates, that's two players... That aren't the quickest um, against two players that are some of the quickest in the division. So I think he'll, st- st- I think he will stick to a back four. I think he should. Um, I just think if you include Pepe, does that put a seed of doubt in Andy Robertson's mind? Does that then make him defend that little bit more and be a little bit more guarded in terms of how often he goes across the halfway line? Um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I've heard a suggestion as well that Joe Gomez might play at right back instead of Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool, which would be interesting because I think that would be a bit of an invitation for Aubameyang to um, to try and get at him. He's obviously back in the fold now, Gomez. But for me, I, I mean, I, I I love Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's, he's one of the players for a team that's not my own. Who I'd, I'm really and I, 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 you know, love Hector Bellerin. I think he's brilliant, and when he's fit, we've got someone um, comparable at least. But um, I do, I, I, I do really rate him, and I think he could cause us a lot of problems on Saturday. So I'd be quite pleased if it was Joe Gomez at right back, to be honest.
0: We will see come Saturday evening. But what is clear that the mood has improved at the club. Uh, you know, I think. Pepe was the the headline signing, but I think it was more than £140 million paid in transfer fees. I know it's not all straight up front. There's a lot of deals that we paid over a number of years, but it it does seem that the owners as a club have tried to make a bit of statements. We, we've seen this week that the the son of Stan Cronkrie, Josh has came out and given a, a wide-ranging open interview. Is it PR offensive or is he generally trying to engage? Because, you know, probably Liverpool's owners are a very good example. I, I think it's fair to say in the early years there was a bit of uh, if not mistrust or the, the, the relationship wasn't what it is now and that's understandable given what came before FSG with Hicks and Gillette. But do you think Arsenal owners can recover? Or are they trying to recover? How is that kind of relationship at the moment?
1: I, th- I think there's, there's probably elements of both. I think the timing of it is interesting that it's um, straight after one of the best transfer windows the club has arguably ever had. I would suggest they go that far. I think at the start of the window, they briefed that they... They wanted to strengthen in the centre of defence, left back, m- central midfield to replace Ramsey and a and a winger. And they got all of them. Um, and not only did they get all of them, they I thought they dealt with the Lauren Koscielny situation really well as well. I think in previous years, under the previous regime, Arsene Wenger probably would have sympathised with Koscielny being such a good servant to the club and would have caved to his demands. Raul Sanlahi, um clearly operates in a very different way um, and wasn't a, about to allow sentimentality to get in the way, um, which is exactly how it should be in my mind. Um, and the fact that they, they managed to get him out for a fee, they remained steadfast in their belief that they were entitled to a fee for him. They got that. They went out and got an experienced Premier League defender in David Luiz. And they've also got William Saliba, who's, it was a bit frustrating that he was going back on loan to St Etienne, but again, there, there was, there was so much good work done in that window. And there was a lot of positivity to, to come out of it. Um, and I think the "We Care do you campaign that the fans, um, the petition that fans started and the, um, the signatures that it got from numerous, you know, sort of key fan sites and bloggers, um, was I think there was definitely um some correlation between um between that and the kind of Cronkies coming out and giving their um Josh particularly, but um I think that will have I think Stan will have been aware of that. It came at a time when Arsenal were heading out to America. Um they all met and discussed it uh, between between Leahy and um Vinay and uh, and Josh and Stan, I think they all spoke about it and were probably worried at the time. I think at the time that it came out, Arsenal hadn't signed anyone. And there was still the uh, the aftermath of the Europa League final. I think a lot of fans were entitled to feel quite worried about the situation, the direction the club were heading in. Um, I think there's an argument that some of it might be reactionary and and you know, the timing of it, as, as I alluded to, seems a little bit convenient to me that they're doing it in advance of two games where it could go pear-shaped for us. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, after the Tottenham game, we could be sitting here with six points still. Uh, we could lose the next two games and we could be down in seventh or eighth position and things looking not quite as rosy as they do at the moment. I think off the back of two consecutive wins, off the back of a brilliant transfer window, the timing of the interview felt a little bit convenient, but ultimately I kind of feel as if the fan base can't be too um, kind of picky over that sort of thing. I know we will be because it's by our very nature, what we do as, as Arsenal fans, but I, I we we wanted more communication we wanted more engagement we we wanted more awareness um and we wanted to get a sense of what the ownership wants and um and you know and desires from this football club and to be honest with you the interview answered a lot of questions for me and it ticked a lot of boxes and yes you you can look at it as being um a bit of a PR drive and you know that's inevitable but I also think that we want we wanted this and we're beginning to get a bit more of it. It it's baby steps, don't get me wrong, and I don't think this is going to be an overnight thing where we feel as if um we all of a sudden um feel as if Stan is this uh, you know, overly involved owner of the club who completely gets what we're about and, and understands the um the values of the club and all the rest of it. But there's there's been enough signs of progress over the last few months to make me feel, you know, a darn sight more positive than how I felt after that Europa League final. I said it earlier, I, I really had <laughs> got to the point where I thought a third consecutive season in the Europa League, that's, you know, that's no longer a uh, an aberration. That's like, that's, a, that's the norm then, that you are a Europa League club and that's kind of a reality we're having to, to live with at the moment. I think this season... I think last season offered us a great chance, but I think this season with Chelsea's problems, um, United don't look a settled unit. Um, Spurs, potentially, if they were to lose Ericsson, for instance, and there's been like some uncertainty over Vertonghen, the they, they don't look invincible, Spurs, to me. I still think the top two are... Like like everyone else has said, I think the top two are miles ahead of everyone else at the moment, and it will be those two that contest the title again. Um, but I think we've got an amazing opportunity to get in the top four this season. I would never have been able to have predicted that at, at the start of the summer. So I think for that reason alone, I think there's got to be um, positivity about about where the club are heading, and and you know Josh coming out and giving the interview. Um, I think is is helpful for us as a fan base to get a, a proper understanding of uh, of what the club wants to be. Um, they're being realistic about things as well. At the last Q and A with um, shareholders, um, there was a lot of kind of sound bites where you felt as if there was some substance to it and there was some realism to it. Previously, when Ivan Gazidis has spoken about Arsenal, you know, being a European superpower looking to compete with the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's and Bayern Munich's of this world, it was it was fanciful and it was kind of not really based on anything other than just ambition. And now I feel as if there is a bit more substance to what, you know, all the messages that are being communicated out of the club.
0: Tom, thank you very much, mate, for that fascinating insight into Arsenal on and off the field. You've already said you'd take a 2-2 draw on Saturday. Is that your prediction?
1: Sadly, not. I think um, <laughs> I think we might see a repeat of the 2016, 17, three one to Liverpool. Um, I, I just I, I really struggle to see how we're going to keep them out. I think we will score because I think Liverpool's high line that they're using, um, I think that will play into our hands. But I think a combination of factors. I I, I suspect that we won't have the line-up on Saturday that I want us to have. Um, and I also just think this is the first big test for this team. Um, I, I think the Tottenham game will probably have more importance than the Liverpool game. Um, and I, I think, sadly, we might, might come out on the, the wrong side of a, a four-goal scoreline this weekend. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.